This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're a woo 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 Welcome to the Woo Wooverse. I am Kiralee. And I'm Lynette. And look, I know that we said that we were on holidays, but these days they're weird. You're off work, you're full, mm. you're sleepy, you're nursing a sugar hangover, and time is all wibbly wobbly. Yeah. So we figured it was the perfect time for a bonus episode. <laughs> so many of you have sent us questions during our first season and we love them. Love them. We love, love hearing from our woo-woo crew. Yeah. And we've got woo-woo crew all over the world, haven't we? Oh, we have. We see you. We see you in Scotland and London and Auckland and Singapore, New Delhi, LA, Jordan. We've got listeners in Tel Aviv and Berlin and Jakarta and Costa Rica and Phnom Penh and Norway. And look, we've got one or two in Australia as well, don't we? <laughs> oh, hello, Australia. Hi, Australia. How are you doing? We see you. Yeah, we see you listeners. We hear you listeners. We feel so connected to you listeners. And in our bonus episode today, we are going to be answering questions from listeners. Yes, it is a bonus Q&A episode. So <laughs> shall we get started with our first question? Well, we need a drum roll or something, like burn some incense. Oh, maybe. <laughs> okay. So let's get started with our first question. This one comes from KA in North Queensland. And KA wants to know, what is your absolute go-to in a daily routine to keep energy on point and what are your go-to spiritual tools? Good question, K.A. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to go? Do you want me to go? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I can go first. My primary spiritual tool is to be kind to myself and that is my daily practice is being kind to myself. Mm. And I did years and years and years of like got to get up and do this and do that and now I've actually just realised that really the best thing I can do for myself on a daily basis to keep my energy on point is meet myself where I'm at each day and be kind to myself. Mm. And then from Love there there's that. usually a bit of like yoga and prayer and meditation but yeah. kindness, kindness is my go-to daily routine to keep my energy on point. Yeah, and mine is, I do mine in the shower because I'm very busy. I like it. I used to have these elaborate morning <laughs> Multitasking. routines. Multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Used to, you know, lay things down, go to yoga and walk. And I just can't do that anymore. So it's at the end of the day, everyone's, you know, asleep or doing their own thing. And I get to shower and that's where I do all my washing off, gold support and protection. Mm. I pray in the shower. I ground, I ask for help, I reset everything. Everything happens in that final day bathing routine for me. And that's yeah, my beautiful. absolute go-to. It doesn't matter where I am in the world, I need that. Even if it's mm. a washcloth and a pail of water, it's the same routine because I need to know that I have put a perimeter around myself and ended the day basically. Yeah, nice. In terms of monthly things, so I, there's a few things I do every day, which is does tend to be yoga, prayer and meditation. There's a few things that I do every month, which is the new and full moon rituals. And they're like the burnings that, that we've spoken about mm. before, about manifesting and releasing. Yeah. And that was really helpful for me. It took me a long time to establish ritual in my life because mm. I'd always just kind of forget 
Mm. And I'd have good intentions and then it'd be three days later and I'd be like, I haven't done anything. Yeah. And the new and full moon rituals, because all I had to do was set an alert in my phone for when the new moon and full moon came around and it was so regular, it was every two weeks. Yeah. It really helped me establish ritual yeah. in my life, which I really appreciate. Yeah. I think ritual's beautiful. It it really solidifies you working with your energy system, the seasons, the flow. It, it Most mm. of this works on sort of cycles. So that's a yeah. really great thing yeah. to do. And, you know, there's something to say about pinning energy down by knowing when you're going to do something and how you're going to do yeah, it. And it yeah. gives everything a bit of structure. Some of my go-to spiritual tools, you know, I used to when I was younger be a big card turner or and, and, you know, I do a pull a card a day and I still can do that when I go to work. But basically they're the things I can take with me that I can close my eyes in the car for three minutes and send something into the universe and pray on it. Or I can br- do the four, seven, eight breathing. A lot of my spiritual go-to tools are the tools that I've talked about in this journey or we've put up is meditation Mm. practices to bring people back to themselves. One of the great things about the UTC, the Universal Treasure Chest, they're all actually the things that we do. Mm. If you want to know what we do to maintain our spiritual practice, the good news is we already told you and we made it available for you and it's all there. And as always, the things that we love the most are free, accessible to everyone and you can do them anytime is is the stuff that we really love. And the thing that I think that has become a real buzz for me and something that I am becoming more and more passionate about is grounding, like taking taking mm. shoes off and putting feet on the earth. There's this amazing documentary, can't stop raving about it enough, called The Grounded. And it talks about after 20 minutes how your blood and your body starts to change and it literally takes inflammation out of your body and regulates you with the earth's ionic surface. And I have become absolutely a grounder like that's my thing you know if I don't know what else to do or I need to think or I need to solve a problem or I'm not feeling well I will go and sit on the earth and give myself a chance to heal with that bigger electric field and I've become mm. passionate about that now mm. I'm a tree hugger I'm a grounder but I'm more of a tree hugger oh, like you just if you need hugger. me having a spiritual moment you'll just find me like <laughs> just making out with a tree somewhere <laughs> having a chat with a tree. I did watch this crazy (laughs) documentary once, just on a very random side note, about people that marry physical structures. Did you ever see that? Mm. People who fall in love with I haven't seen the documentary, but I've heard of like the woman who married the bridge. Yes, fell in love with the bridge. Very interesting. Well, if you want to marry a tree, I support you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll certainly invite you to the wedding. You'll have to come to it. It can't come to you. It's fine. We'll sort it out. All right. Our next question comes from Jen from Indonesia. She, oh, this is okay. This is a good one. She wants to know what is spiritual bypassing and how can we avoid it? Mm. What's your definition of spiritual bypassing? Oh, okay. My definition is that it sounds sort of cliche, but it's taking the easy route to solve something that's quite deep. So, for example, it might be like I might read five books on relationship problem, but I don't actually communicate or change anything in the relationship problem. So Mm. it's like talking a lot about it or reading a lot about it and Mm. not actually doing the stuff that's actually the hard part in it. For me, for a long time, it was like, oh, I really liked going to yoga, but I didn't like screaming into the pillow. I didn't like 
pushing it sort of wildly through my body at one point. And I went, I'm avoiding the thing that I need Mm. to do to kind of get the spiritual flow. So, yeah, Yeah. for me it's that kind of energy personally where you kind of start gravitating towards something that's it makes our energy a little bit complacent but we feel like we're doing something. Yeah, it's checking out rather than checking in as Mm, well, isn't it, spiritual bypassing. And my definition is slightly different to yours. It's about using your spiritual practice as a way of of avoiding the work that you have Mm. to do rather than using your spiritual practice as a way of doing the work you need to do. It's Mm. like papering over. And it's a defense Mm. mechanism when like difficult things come Mm. up and a way to kind of try and feel endlessly good. And that's what I really think about when I think about people who spiritually bypass or communities that spiritually bypass. They're like, everything. I'm a spiritual person, so everything has to be good and it's love and it's light and it's amazing. Where actually anybody who really gets into the weeds on their spiritual journey knows that a lot of it's shit and it's exhausting (laughs) and it's the dark night of the soul and spiritual people can have a bad day or a bad week or a bad year. And really a lot of the new age wellness movement sometimes gravitates us towards things that make us feel like we're doing things or changing things but and supporting ourselves but some of it is a little bit you know spiritual placebo in a way where we're we're not actually asking the big questions about what am I frightened of what do I need to change how can I grow as a person or move this through positively and you're right whole communities can do this and I think we have to ask what can I do here to create real change yeah yeah, it's not just about feeling good or being better or being the best or yeah. being good. And how can I be be okay with the, the messy existence of being human? <laughs> like, and not always yeah. have to like seek the just good and be super optimistic and feel like you've got to act like a saint because you're on a spiritual path. Yeah, that's a big one. And it's it's tricky because it might be different for every person, you know, like yeah, yeah. what you do, which is actually – something that you go, no, that's actually where my deep practice is, could be the way I'm just going, oh, I'm just going to let that go. Yeah, skipping over it, thanks. Mm. Um, I was a classic spiritual bypasser when I first got into yoga as well. I'd taken on this idea that if you were into yoga, if you were on the spiritual path, yeah, you had to be a bit of a saint. You always had to rise above. Mm. You always had to be the, the, big, the better person in the room. You weren't allowed to be angry. You weren't allowed to be sad. And I just Mm. ended up like really messing myself up because I do a lot of, if somebody genuinely hurt me, I wouldn't address it. Mm. I'd be like, no, I don't get angry. I do yoga. Mm. But actually I was furious, Mm. but not dealing with it and not, not doing the hard work of it, trying to Not going into those lower chakras really. Like usually it's an avoidance of some kind of chakra. Like I'm happy to be in my heart, but I don't like being down in my base, you know. Actually, now that I think of it, another interesting form of spiritual bypassing that I've had to address with clients before is the endless pursuit of shaman shopping and um, workshop hunting. So one workshop after another, one teacher after another. You know, if you Mm. stick with a teacher for a while and, you know, you can trust them and you've done a bit with them and it becomes a bit gritty, it's probably the time to stick it out. All the people I taught used to have a rule, we've got to do three more sessions if you want to stop because it was kind of like the point that I wanted to go, well, 
you. I'm done. It was mm. probably the point where I was about to learn the most, you know, and yeah, th- there's yep. a difference between feeling that and feeling uncomfortable and there's your boundaries being crossed and that it's time to leave and it's not okay. But if you're shaman shopping, if you're like, oh, I didn't like what that person said to me, so I'm going to just see another clairvoyant or I'm going to see another yep. teacher or I'm going to go to another workshop. I've been to 15 workshops this year all around the world and sat in sweat lodges and this and that and you're still dealing with the same problem then you're spiritually yeah, you're bypassing, bypassing babes. and you're that bypassing. can happen for, for real. That can happen. Yeah. yeah. I feel like spiritual bypassing can very much be a stage on the spiritual journey mm, as well. Like it it's definitely not, is, yeah. It's something you need to move through. You don't want yeah. to get stuck in it. But I think it is kind of a natural part of embracing this new way of being uh, or incorporating your spirituality, your spiritual path into your life. Yeah. And coming, and again, coming to the grips with the fact that it's not all roses and that even if you found an amazing teacher, even if you found this incredible connection to something bigger, it's not actually going to fix all your problems. The problems will still exist. You'll have a path to navigate them, but it's not going to just wave a magic wand and make everything love and light. Well, the spiritual journey doesn't stop life. It just gives you the tools to Mm. cope with it. You know, there's so many things in life that you co-create and you can choose away from. And then there are other things that, really do seem to be part of the river and the journey and the way it bends and it's about being able to flow with that and navigate it so yeah I don't believe that you can bypass your journey in life and and things that need to happen and if there was a magical solution we'd all have done it by now and we'd all be healed and the planet would be great so it doesn't exist unfortunately you just have to like we've all tried over up and do your work people <laughs> all right okay becca from israel wants to know what our favorite spiritual books are Ooh, oh that's an exciting one. question oh lots of books too many books <laughs> Can you have too many books? (laughs) No, unless you're carrying them, in which case, yes. You and I have got a few shared here. I think we can agree that Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Meese and One Day My Soul Just Opened Up by Iana Van Zandt. Those books are my Bible. Yeah, Yeah. Bibles of the Woo-Woo Yeah, they are. And they're people who sat down, had been through their journey and translated a map for others to follow so they didn't have to go through it alone and I adore them and celebrate them and have spiritual crushes on them and will forever and yep they're two of my favorites I also love Gary Sukov's The Seed of the Soul very comprehensive look at energy and different aspects of energy there is also The Untethered Soul have you read that? Oh I only read it about maybe six months ago and I'm rereading it at the moment and it just has oh my god it's changed my life I, I love that book and that's the book that I'm currently buying for everyone in my life that have I ask if they've yes. read it and they said no it'll turn up on their doorstop from Amazon yeah. a few days after that conversation like yeah. that's the one I'm really I'm really recommending to people at the moment I also really love The Way of the Happy Woman oh, by Sarah yes. Avant Stoa as well a, a, a way of looking at your year in how to embrace cycles and embrace yourself and and, oh, and she's love um, that. oh Oh, I adore her. Yeah. And speaking of that, women who run with the wolves, yes. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Yes. Oh, yes. Just a piece of work yes. that will last time. Mm. I also like the punk rock yoga manifesto as well. <laughs> for anybody looking at like a very deeply spiritual but kind of alternative take on um, yoga spirituality as well, is that by Kimberly Steddle? And Mindful Living by Katie Minitsis. Also, and I gave you a Katie Minitsis book you did. many years ago, The Yoga of Birth. I've still got it and love it dearly. 
One of the books that I really am enjoying at the moment is A New Vision for Mindful Masculinity and it's called For the Love of Men by Liz Plank. And I think it's a really great book because it's got actionable steps in it as a guide to be a man in the modern world, which can be a little bit about a changing landscape for sure. And I'm certainly buying that one for all the men in my world, in my life. It's sort of worth also just mentioning authors because a lot of these people just write some amazing books and then the next one channels and the next one channels. So people like John Bradshaw, Carolyn Meese, as we've said, Louise Hay wrote several amazing books that are really great entry points into the spiritual work, the deeper work, the finding out of yourself. James Redfield, The Celestine Prophecy, which we spoke way back about in the beginning, is such an exciting entry point because it's kind of part novel but it's got so much energy information in there through the story and the follow-up book is called The Experiential Guide and that is awesome but there's so many books isn't there they're just so many I would also recommend The Alchemist as well by Paulo Cahillo yeah Yeah, lovely alchemist look there's a lot of books Mm. out there but but that's our that's our go-to I guess Okay, so the next question comes from SL from Sydney and SL wants to know, this is such a good one, (laughs) what do you feel that God is and how do you describe it to people? Just a small question. Do you know you read that the way people read Trivial Pursuit questions? (laughs) It's like woo-woo verse Trivial Pursuit. I love me a bit of Trivial Pursuit and I have always wanted to be a game show host and this may be as close as I'm going to get. So thank you. For the the red piece of pie. (laughs) Please, the following question is. (laughs) So what do you feel that God is? Is that the question? Yeah, what do you feel that God is and how do you describe it to people? I'm just going to straight up say it's definitely a woman and she's definitely black. So that's what I see God as. Ah, how Um, interesting. I've gone with the pronoun they. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's what I've switched to. I really mm. feel they, and I'm going to embrace that. Yeah, and okay. I think God is love. I've I've sat yeah. with this so many yeah. times, yeah. and I have been brought up in all the form and all the pictures and all the stories. And but when I truly, truly sit with it all, and I just keep going and sifting and sifting as you do in this process. Where I get to is light at one end, really, really dark at the other. And when I go into that light, I just feel more and more elevated, ecstatic, loved, calm, just endless, complete. Yeah. And so all the only word I've got, and you've talked about this in Sanskrit is so much better at describing (laughs) this, but because it's sound and frequency and feeling, but it's love. It would have to be Mm. love for me. And when I talk about it to other people, when I try and get a common language, because we've talked about this on the podcast before as well, is that a you know, language just doesn't exist to properly describe something as complex as God. Mm. And our beautiful little human puny tiny monkey brains yeah. can feel it but can't necessarily understand it. Yes. And I think that is what I really connect to is that it is something we feel. Mm. God is something we feel mm. rather than something that we can clearly necessarily explain. Maybe we can play her through music mm. or write her through art or feel her through nature or like there's so many different ways and vibrations and frequencies we can use to connect with her but in terms of being able to sit down and say oh, let me explain God to you I don't know 
No, I don't know that, very, it actually, that it actually can be done. It's very Except to hard know that all define. rivers lead to the sea. That w- whatever religion has tried to explain God, got it right. One thing I always feel when I have this conversation with people, especially who have a concept of this or who can feel it, is that sometimes we don't have to have the words or the definition. Mm. It just is knowing that you are on your connection route to the same thing that I am on my connection mm. route to. And they may, yeah. if we drew them, look very different. But yeah, it's yeah. just this feeling that we're all travelling along that same river together. And actually the less definition, I actually find that there's more common the more ground. Helpful, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, that, yeah. that beautiful yeah. word coexist written in all the symbols of all the different religions where oh, they're all yeah. one. And, they, okay. and I just go, yes, yes, we're all... Yes heading back to the same ocean, all these rivers trying to head back yeah. there. But What's that great Ram Das quote, we're all just walking each other home oh, and God I is who we're being walked quote. home to. It's where we come from. It's where we mm. go. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. a standstill. Let's take a All right. Breath. This one is not for me. This one is definitely for you. Um, this is from Kate. <laughs> is it? Okay. Sydney. Hold on. Pie, and- <laughs> what colour are we in? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Kate wants to know, do you have any tips for helping and parenting sensitive and psychic children? Oh. I know you do. <laughs> we will definitely need to do an episode on this, I think. Okay. So it is clear that there is a generation of very sensitive, awake children coming through. I mean, it makes sense. If we're all open and our chakras are functioning and connecting and communicating, we're certainly giving birth to children who already see, feel and hear this language. They they have some sense of it for sure. And I'm I'm reading a lot as well among women who come to me wanting to know if they should have a child despite the climate crisis. Mm. And often the answer that I get back is like the children that are coming through oh. at the moment have been called. <laughs> there are no accidents that they are the ones that are yes. arriving right now. And right? anyone parenting them and feeling their sense of direction and will and know and will know that they are not going to take no for an answer. They are going to change the world. Watching this generation, I went to a classroom and the half the kids had their shoes off. They, they can ask to take their shoes off, leave them at the door and walk around in bare feet. And they get to choose and most of them chose to have their shoes off. And I was like, yep, these kids are coming through in different ways. The schooling system is going to have to change to cater for them. Teachers are learning about sensory. This is a big word. And, and you know, there are lots of neurological spectrums, of course, and my children actually live on several scales of them. But the thing I will say is this. If you have a sensory child or a awake psychic child, the most important thing is to make sure that they are connected and grounded to make sure that they know that they can visualize themselves doing things, calming themselves down with their breath, putting a gold bubble around themselves, that they have some sense of spiritual language, that they know they have um, ancestors on the other side, that they know about ritual, that they know that this is normal, that there are people who speak this language and will show them the way, that they're, they're not strange, that what they're feeling is real. And the Biggest thing about raising a sensitive or psychic child is you can't lie to them. The most heinous thing you can do to a psychic or intuitive person is scramble that radar. And I've had this conversation, I've said to people, if you're angry, don't say, no, I'm not. 
say, I actually am angry and I, I, I'm going to yeah, deal with it. Because they're already like, they're, already, they're feeling it, aren't they? They know. They know. Yeah. And if you're having separation stuff going on with a partner, mummy and daddy or mummy and mummy and daddy and daddy are not very happy with each other at the moment, you're right. And we're going to work that out. We're going to try and work it out. They know mm. and they take it on and then they start caretaking us because they're they're sensitive, they're empaths. So it's it's a challenge because you have to you have to stand up, you have to find your power and you have to find your voice and you have to be accountable to them. And they're very, very conscious about their boundaries and their rights and what's making them feel hurt or what's making them feel empowered and we can't really use the old rules to try and govern them they it really is a little bit more of a co-creative experience and in some ways you know conscious parenting is about allowing the fact that they are teaching us and walking us home as well I really try to look at my children and all children, that's why I love teaching, as though they had so much to share, that they had something inside of them that our generation didn't understand, that they were going to show us or teach us. And I think any elder or any person guiding children who sees children like that sees the magic and they open to them and they want to show you the way too. They know it's part of their destiny. You know, I've seen so many children say, we don't hurt others, we don't hit, we don't. And someone said to me the other day, you know, isn't it interesting? You're not allowed to walk into a shopping centre and hit someone. Police are not technically meant to manhandle, yet somehow we made it okay to manhandle our children. And we have to kind of revisit this whole experience and understand that they are here to create a new world they're trying so desperately and we need to help them we have to figure it out and anything that we've not sorted out they kind of reflect so often I'll say to someone okay it's probably a bit of a mutual thing here we're gonna have to help you sort that out and then it's probably gonna help that child as well you know it's a big job we're all winging it we're all winging it Whitney said it best when she said I believe the children are the future she was right <laughs> yeah all right so the next question comes from JS from Adelaide and JS wants to know have you had frightening experiences with spirits mm. how have you become comfortable in that world <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever going to become comfortable with a frightening experience <laughs> with a spirit and I'm a clairvoyant ah okay Least favourite part of my job, believe it or not. But yes, I have had experiences. And again, this needs to probably be a deep dive whole episode to explain it fully. But when we pass into those other dimensions and frequencies, we're not all going over into the same frequency. We're not all holding the same frequency. And it requires a lot of resolution. Obviously, those people who are more resolved, you know, it's an easier and higher journey home but there are spirits that get lost or in torture and they do get earthbound and often are associated with a particular place or space and when like haunted houses yeah and and it can actually I've worked in a school that had a spirit that was there and I've yeah, helped many people. As I said, it's probably a whole episode, but generally if that happens, you can put your boundary down and say, 
I don't welcome you here. I don't know who you are. I'm sorry. You're not welcome here. You can also call in all of these things that we talk about in support protection. I always say I call in the God of my understanding to protect and secure me on all planes, levels and dimensions. And that really helps me get comfortable. But I know it's going to sound really funny, but get out. Run. (laughs) The first thing you've got to be able to do in that situation is actually assess it from the outside. And it requires a clairvoyant who is not in the house usually or the space and you get out and you vision in. And I have worked in situations where I've had to call in two clairvoyants. So it's me and someone else and one of us will go in and the other will stand watch at the other end of to help that clairvoyant come back out. One of the most full-on experiences I had was trying to remove an energy or ask an energy to move on from the space. And after we had done the work, I was moving around and my co-buddy said to me, oh my God, look at that look at that thing on your arm and it looked like a burn mark on my arm and I was like oh my gosh and then when I spoke to my teacher he was like yep that that will happen that is a warning that you have you're not welcome here and it's going to put up a pretty big fight the way I describe it is it's like sometimes you have a vermin problem right you might have a few cockroaches or ants in your kitchen And sometimes you just do a quick tidy and a quick spray and you reset the space and it doesn't return. And other times it's like full invasion of like possums or rats or raccoons or whatever it is in your space and it's going to take a very big job to get them out because they believe that's their house too. That they're allowed to be there. I've been lucky. I haven't had anything quite as terrifying as any of that go on yet. But I have, you know, I... I have, I have connected, I've seen ghosts and there was a ghost in my family home when I was younger, but it was always very kind. Um, and then in a share house that I lived in my twenties, there was a ghost as well. But again, I had nothing but kind of positive experiences. I've had a few times where I've felt something try to come through that I know is not like when I'm reading that I'm not comfortable Mm. with. And yeah, in that case, really doing grounding and protection and strangely enough, confidence as well, like really actually feeling like I am allowed to stand up and go, no, no, I'm in control here. Absolutely not. This is not allowed. F off. Um, And like really learning to stand my ground and lay my boundaries actually. And knowing that I'm allowed to, knowing that I'm allowed to and I can. I can affect what is happening. Like I do have the power. I get lots of people that contact me all the time around this work and there are true reasons for it, whether a child is talking to a spirit or um, and they want to make sure you know, who that spirit is or whether it's a whole house that they're about to sell or buy or they've just moved into and all these stories I'm sure I can tell in more detail. But that is a real thing. It's a real thing. I've done a reading before for a woman and her mother and her did not have a great relationship. Her mother was not the kindest person when she was alive. And when we were reading, um, of course, she didn't tell me that. I was just opening to talk to her mother as she requested and in that moment the candle in my room that was sitting on this antique French table caught entirely on fire and we were both sitting there watching the candle just went up like an entire flame and we were both watching it and I went, I'm just going to get my jug of water and I poured it over the candle and the smoke and the smoke alarm. And then I was looking at the table and there was this 
pops black stain on my table. And I was like, hmm. So we had to do some negotiation and resetting of boundaries around even though it's mum, we need to be able to say when she came close and when she didn't, which was exactly like in this world. So, you Mm. know, there are reasons why this is part of the job, but it's something that I think that generally if you have proclaimed yourself in a certain part of this spectrum, I work in the light, I am the light, I believe in the light, my divinity is my protection, the light is my protection, you can generally believe that that's not going to come your way. Yeah, yeah. All right. Spooky. Yeah. Okay. Whole episode devoted. We just have to go there one we'll get day. To it. One day. We'll get to it. Halloween next year. Yeah. The next question is from Shaq in Australia. At what point do we stop reincarnating to Earth? Is there a spiritual goal that we're working towards every lifetime to achieve to reach that point? Oh, these questions are getting hard. <laughs> I feel like I might need to go and sit on a mountain for 10 years before I answer this question. Thank you, Shaq. Or like at least reincarnate a few more times before <laughs> yeah, I can I'm going to give it a, my best shot with my limited understanding of this journey. At what point do we stop reincarnating and, you know, actually, to be honest, I'm going to answer that with I truly don't know. And that's okay because I don't know if we any of us are going to know. But I do have a suspicion that that is a sole choice and it is a negotiation. We are working towards something there. We are evolving. Mm. We are here to evolve. We are here to learn and grow. We are here to transcend. We are here to like have an epic glow up, level up to the next level of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, that is Kind of what we're working towards. Yeah, and one of the things I'd say is I don't think it's easy to get here. I don't actually think it is. I think that's something a lot of spirits on the other side, when I connect with them, talk about it as a blessing, as a beautiful gateway, as a possibility of to experience something in physical form, rain, love. It is tangible and it's not easy to get here. The next step of the question was that there is a spiritual goal that we're working towards every lifetime. Is that the part? Yep. I think so. I definitely think when I read people and I used to in the beginning see their energy going backwards, which was the past, and then this big energy going forwards. And I could always tell if people were stuck in the past because the energy at the back, which was the past, would be greater than the energy at the front. And when I look at the energy at the front, I can sort of see these line markers. And to me, they're the things that you know, are are going to happen. They're the things that have agreed or or we have somehow committed to in this journey. Do you have to get them all done? I don't know. I don't think so. Only uh, if you're a type A higher achiever. <laughs> you're like then you're the list definitely off. not going to get it done. That's what I can tell you if you're a type A high achiever. That ain't going to work, honey. I often end up reading people and it's and the thing, the topic that they want help on or whatever they're working through in their life at the moment, it'll come through that like this is not the first lifetime you've been working on <laughs> yeah. this. Like oh, yeah. this is several lifetimes in at this point. Yeah. And then sometimes they'll get really great cues like because you have been working on it for several lifetimes, actually you can heal it in this lifetime. Like that's why it's showing up so much. You're ready to go. You can do this. I actually think that's beautiful because – Truly, I think the more of this work you do and the deeper you dive into yourself and your little matrix and kaleidoscope and you understand that you're part of divine design and you're your beautiful juicy project that affects everyone else's juicy project and life, there is something around remembering that you haven't just been working on all of this for one lifetime and you go, actually, I think I was trying to write that book 
five lifetimes ago. That's why it's like squeezing it through, you know. Yeah. Or we've yeah. been, I, I've been in a relationship where I actually said we came, we separated, came back together, separated, came back together. And I actually said at the end when he was like, oh, let's just get married. So many people just get married on this. And I was like, I love you, but we've done this before. I've been your wife, Ooh. you've been my husband, and we've yeah. just played this conversation out so many times. What if we loved each other so much we just let each other go and we saw what happened next and we could just still love each other as that ex part of that. But that's not to diminish yeah. it. It was actually to go, we can move past that. We don't need to go through that again. What if we try something different? How about we don't get married? I just think it's so interesting and juicy, this question. It's so interesting. Mm. And it ties in really nicely with our next questions, mm. which comes from Equiescence Kinesiology, mm. who gave us this question on Instagram and wants to know, is there a resting period between lives and have your guides indicated how long most souls rest? I definitely think there is a resting definitely. period because yep, that's what I when people well. pass over, there's definitely a process. Like sometimes you can't mm. read people for a certain amount of time or sometimes mm. they have to go and connect and collect all their energy and aspects of themselves. They have to gather themselves from this experience before they can turn around and transcend enough to move yep. into another incarnation. So I yeah, definitely yep. think there's a resting period. I would not want to proclaim that I know how long that would be and I imagine yeah, yeah. there are very – you know, it's fast. So there would be very big individual cases. I'm not. Yeah. I'm and also sure. how, how can we possibly have a concept of time on the other side? Like, and if we said it's four days, mm. what would that even mean on the other side? Is that mm. 400 mm. light yeah, years? Yeah, that's so Is true. That, they don't know time. Yeah, My like, God, we know that from working with them. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, time on earth and time in the spirit world, they're not the same oh, times. It's, it's a bit like working on Berlin time and Bali oh, time. They're different times. Time zones. I live in like multidimensional time zones. The other yeah. thing about this that's interesting, I think, is that it's that concept that we would come back as oh, I've been this whole soul this lifetime and that whole soul is coming back in another whole form and I'm mm. not so sure that the whole thing comes back all together like more, the next Yeah, time. it's more like aspects. Yeah, or in or, yoga you'd say the karma. It's the karma that carries over. Yeah. I, I think, whoa, we could just sit on the top of a mountain and hypothesize about this really couldn't we look let's let's one day that's a whole other podcast series we've given it our best shot let's mark that as a moment in time one thing that melted my brain was the understanding that you that because time is wibbly wobbly spirit time earth time completely different you can reincarnate backwards so reincarnation, oh when you do come back, it's not just something that happens in the future. It absolutely can happen in the past. And that was about the point that my oh. brain broke when I discovered <laughs> Were that. Were you high when so you got good. that? <laughs> hey, yoga high. I was in a yoga class. Thank yoga you very high. much. That is mind-blowing. It's going to take me right into the new year, that piece of information. I am going to chew on it like a cow that's got a great piece of cud. That is awesome. Enjoy. Yeah. All right, moving on. Lady K113 asks, <laughs> do you believe in Hi. destiny, that the path has already been chosen for us mm. based on the individual lessons we're here to learn and that we should learn to enjoy the process more as we all end up exactly where we're meant to be and that what is meant for us will never pass us? Yeah, what's got your name written on it can never pass you by, right? Yeah, you can't lose what's got your name on it. I will absolutely say I believe in a destiny energy. 
I also believe that within that destiny, you have a lot of choice. So people Mm. often say to me, but if it's our destiny that we met, why is he not choosing me? And I'll say, you just answered your own question. It was your destiny to meet. He is not choosing you. That's his choice. Yeah, you may then yep. bang into each other again and again and again, pardon the pun, but you may, and he may get several yeah, times to choose that. And if he doesn't, I suggest after the third time you say, I'm not choosing you because you'll move him on and then you'll bring the next destiny in. Yeah. And that's the thing with destiny. Keep it rolling, people. Like I yeah. think that you don't want to get stuck in an obsessional experience, like I thought it was my destiny to be a ballerina in the French company. If it's not happening, if three doors shut, then maybe it was your destiny to be a ballerina at that level in the French company. And now there is a new door, a bigger destiny than you could imagine that is opening. It, it, it's in flux. It's not like it's something that's absolutely, the script has not completely it's been two written energies. It's, it's a weaving yeah. of here you go, you asked to be here or this is going to happen or this is going to be part of it. And then within that you have seven choices. So you see how people get tripped up. You always have the choice whether or not to enjoy it. And that was part of the question as well. Like, yeah, take the weight off yourself. You, if if it, you don't get the thing that you wanted, you weren't meant to have it. Otherwise, you would have it. Like life actually cannot unfold any differently than it currently is. Like it, whatever is here is meant to be here. It doesn't mean it's pleasant or that you're enjoying it or that it's what you wanted, but you can kind of take the pressure off yourself that it's a mistake. This is chakric understanding too, right? Because mm, when you get to the yeah. third chakra, you have to have the sort of athletic mind where you're like I can do anything I can transcend myself I can repair my body I can go faster I can produce that I can make that happen I can manifest I can will it but then as you move up these chakras you go yeah I don't want to will anything that isn't for me because I'll have to untangle it so Mm. let's see if it comes let's see if it stays let's see if it feels good rather than going I want it at all cost and I will have it It's like you change. So the destiny is, I think, ultimately to surrender and let go and enjoy the journey and watch what comes, but then to make really high-level understanding choices that Mm -hmm. allow you to be living it, you know, in peace. If it's not peaceful, it's too expensive and it's probably not your destiny. All right. Next question comes from Stephanie. How can I rise above and heal my need to prove myself to others, particularly in the professional world? How can I let go of needing to prove myself and sit comfortably in my own skin? I want to give Stephanie the Grace Jones answer to this question. Grace. Because, I mean, talk about confidence and not giving a crap what anybody thinks (laughs) about you. There's a great quote from her that says, in any given room, want yourself the most. And that quote changed my life because as soon as I'd start going into what everybody else might be thinking of me and assuming that I could figure out what they were even thinking of me or if they were judging me or I would immediately pull it back and go, no, 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 I want me. I want me. I back me. I stand with me. I value me. In this room, more than anybody else wanting to support me, I support me. And that's the place I come from. So that would be my answer to give yourself the support, the accolades, the love, the celebration that you want other people to give to you. You give it to you first and then see how you feel about having to prove yourself. And that said, also, it's really hard being a talented young woman in the professional world because you're going to get ignored because the patriarchy blows. How do you heal the need Mm. to prove yourself, right? Mm. That need to prove yourself is that you did not get 
get some level of connection, attachment, attention, security that you needed Mm. when you were little. And you are looking at it as the world needs to give it to you. And it's actually not just about having a house and money in the bank. It's actually I can handle life. I have the Mm. resilience. I have the tools. I have the mentors. I have the support. I have the love. I have the protection within myself and my world. I can get those things to survive my life. To me, that says I could fuck it up. It could all go to custard. I wouldn't be able to handle it and I have to keep striving. And I'm like, no, it's not that at all. It's like you are enough. And yes, you need to choose yourself, but also to heal this very deep part inside that must feel as though it could all go wrong and you're going to go into shock. And that doesn't have to be the case. You have to build fortification to know that life is safe. No matter what it brings, it tells me that you're bracing against life and we we need to work on that. It also says, how can I let go of needing to prove myself and sit comfortably in my own skin in these moments? That's clearing the fear from the past, the shock, going back. You know, breath work is the most amazing work to do around this because it stops Mm. that disconnection. It keeps the breathing going when things get stressful or when emotion comes up or fear comes up. And then once you can breathe through it, you know, you do it again in life every single day. And then when you walk into a room, you don't even think about it. You just have a presence. You're like, I am and this is my value and I'm here and I'm safe. But I think proving is I'm not safe. I I could dismantle. I don't have enough. Yeah, I would also agree with all of that Mm. and I would also say there's so many people that are ignored or that Mm. feel like they don't get support in professional worlds and people who are maybe on the margin and trying to break through and break through glass ceilings band together. Mm, Yeah. Band together, yeah, safety band, in numbers, support so each true, other, right? yeah. raise each other up. Yeah. 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 And also there's always a way. There's always a way. You can't fuck this up. I say to my clients, write on your mirror, can't fuck it up. You can't fuck it up. Oh, look, I try. I try as hard as I can some days. <laughs> yeah. I look at people who clearly are like, I'm just going to annihilate it and then bunk, they're, up, they're facing the right way up. I think there has to be some level of good girls don't come first. It's not all the... The jargon that we're taught, there's something stronger and bigger going on. And it does relate to our previous Mm. question about destiny. Can you lose what's got your name on it? I truly don't believe you can. Look, we made it to the end of the year. We made it to the end of the decade. 2019, like, done. It's gone. Pretty much done. (laughs) Just gone over. So last year. The naughty. New decade coming. New year coming. What's what's coming up for you? Mm, That's such a funny question when you're asked as a clairvoyant to think about and talk about the future of yourself when you often (laughs) spend more time looking at everyone else's future than possibly your own. So first of all, I'll have a little break, a little regroup and a refuel. I'm really drawn to helping people like ourselves who work with a lot of energy to find a way to channel that efficiently and powerfully to help healing the planet and ourselves. Mm. I've really talked about the fact that I think the energy revolution or the spiritual revolution is part of what we're going to experience in this lifetime. So I'll be interested in working with that a little bit more. I'm also super keen to research and put more energy into understanding raising suns in this 
feminist environment and our current climate because in some ways it's incredibly uncharted territory Mm. and each day I'm faced with interesting experiences with them where I realise that I need to really think about the way I'm framing things and why I'm framing them. For example, they didn't come into a world where they believe anything is unequal. So they are confused sometimes about why things are happening and having to explain that to them. I'm really interested in understanding and working more with that. And I'm really just interested in general in the Harry Potter generation, those kids Mm. that are really awake and already visioning and clairvoyant and working with this energy and this awareness at that age because it is very different to working with it then than it is now Mm. as an adult and uncovering yourself. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I will continue on with my mission and passion, which is to connect people to their spiritual awareness and also their energy activation so that they can use it all in a juicy way and whether I do that through one-on-one readings. Um, And if you are on my wait list, you really still are on my wait list and I look forward to the perfect time that that's all going to sync together. But I've also developed a nine-step process that's based on all of my 20 years of teaching and my own journey and all the learnings that I had from my own teachers. And it's a step-by-step process that really helps you reorganize and connect to all the energy lines, get them flowing and moving in the right order and the right structure. You know, it looks at the way things are draining you, how you can put things back into a better space so that all those pipes are really working for you again rather than being disconnected from them or then blocked and then you're not being able to achieve or move things in a way that you would like or that Mm. is smooth. And that process is one that's very contained and very much about giving you the autonomy to be able to do it yourself and then go on to have those tools for the rest of your life. It starts on the 20th of the 2nd, 2020, because we're all about alignment. And it's something that is a really good activation of all the stuff that we've been talking about in this podcast. And then I also have my really big deep dive bespoke program, which is my energy mentor program. That is for people who've been wanting someone to guide them through this whole journey. It takes a year We have a lot of one-on-one connection and we look at every area of these energy systems and of your journey and we really workshop it. But that is a much bigger deep dive process and it's for people who are ready for that level of commitment and guidance and process. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of what I'll be doing um, program-wise. And, I mean, you know, then there's things just personally I'd like to get out and about more always want more time to read equally really loving things that are simple like the chunky sandal (laughs) I couldn't be happier that that's come into fashion existence that is the one of the most comfortable things that's happened for me in the last year so I'll be exploring that kind of stuff more but yeah that's me in a nutshell at the moment 2020 from what I know I always like to regroup and as I said and enter the year with a big open vision with a few things put in, but really then just let it take me as the as the wind blows the right way. Yeah, what about you? 
2020 is going to be a really big year for me, actually, because I am turning 40 in March and I am pumped. Goddess year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like if you had have told 20-year-old me that she was about to turn 40, I would have like cried my eyes out. But Mm. actually I've been telling everybody I'm already 40. As soon as I turned 39, I just started telling people I was 40. So I'm looking forward to a second year of being 40 for reals. I was so... (laughs) Pregnant on my 40th birthday. You were birthday. so knocked up at 40. Yeah. I remember that. I was so you knocked were up. Pregnant ass. Everyone's like, Are you going to have a party? And I was like, Are you serious? And you're like, I might just explode on <laughs> yeah. the spot. What do you say? Lots of pizza. Thanks. Look, I will not be knocked up at 40. This I can guarantee you. So that's a relief. <laughs> Hope um, you have the actually, fun, though. That good to get there. Um, yeah, look, I can practice. Um, <laughs> I've been traveling for just over two years now. And when I started, I thought that I might want to find out where I want to live next by my 40th. Mm. So I'm really interested to see if that's actually true. I'm Mm. enjoying traveling so much. I can't imagine settling down Mm. and moving out of my suitcase into a house or an apartment, but I want to see if I find where I'm going to go next. You can Um, commit. It's going to be okay. (laughs) <laughs> can I though, Lynette? Can I? And I'm really excited by the work I'm going to do. So I recently just launched my first online course. It's a called Across the Universe and it's mm. 31 days of deep connection to self and resetting mm. your relationship with your body, mind and spirit. Mm. And I, look, I'm not going to have any actual physical children, but this course is my baby and I am yeah. so proud of it and so blown away by how amazing it is. And I'm just so excited to have it out in the world. So that's like, um. that's that's going to be more birthing. of what I do next year. I'm birthing. <laughs> it was really painful, but I got there. Yeah, push. Uh, and I, I'm the same as you, actually. I'm really being called to work with people in the healing of the planet. Like mm. it's it's very much of the zeitgeist. It's very mm. much of now and the emergency and what's needed. And especially helping people support themselves through the climate catastrophe. And I'm working on a process to support people with climate anxiety, which I'm also really mm. um, passionate about. And that should be out in the next few months. Same as you, I do my individual energy readings and I love them. I'm always holding space for people to heal. I, I do group processes as well, including the Circle of Light, which is my three-month-long mentoring process that starts in February if people want to find us, they can go to our websites. I'm curiallylynch.com. I'm at myenergymentor.com. 2020, full of potential. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be rocking. Let's see what happens. Huh? So that's all our questions for this episode, but we've got a request. We have a popular request from our listeners that we're going to turn into the Universal Treasure Chest, don't we, Lynette? Yeah, people have been asking for the burning bowl release ritual. And so... It's a New Year's thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I do it on New Year. But you can do it, like you said, on full moons, new moons. You Mm can um, certainly do it at the endings and the beginnings of things, like if you finish a job or a relationship. So I'm going to put that up on the UTC. As the bonus yeah. for the bonus, right. the bonus for the bonus, the bonus, 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 it's a, bonus. It's just like the universe. You think nothing's going to happen, and then out sprouts a bonus from nowhere. And you go, look, look at that! I thought that was barren soil, big space, uh, and yet there was and a there bonus. There you go, double um, bonus. Look, look, this crazy time of year, this end of year. Happy New Year, Lynette. Oh, happy New Year to you. 2020, <laughs> holy gamoli, let's do this thing. We're ending a decade. We are ending a decade. That God, is gosh. so exciting. It's going to be a new age, new frequency, complete new yeah. frequency. Yeah, yeah. Maybe same old bullshit, but new <laughs> frequency. Lynette, it's been awesome. <laughs> it's been the awesome. The Woo Woo Verse will be back February and um, we will catch up with the Woo Woo crew then. Yeah, support you. 
Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Wooverse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you, or if there's any extra work you've realized you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you.